there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Cycle Garage in sunny and frigid Santa Cruz, California. Ah, frigid's a, yeah. that's a wee bit. Don't, don't uh, they have a pill for that? Well, yeah, but you know, once it drops below 60 degrees, we all freak out. It's just, yeah, you, that's what the pill's for, though. It <laughs> must be 52. I'm chilled to my bones. Yeah, well, well, let's get the weather report from Bagel, and let's see what it's like <laughs> up, uh, in the Pacific Northwest at the moment. Hey, everyone. This is Eliza, and I'm, yes, I'm chilled. I'm chilled. Got to put on more than a sweatshirt. It's too much. <laughs> We're so spoiled. It's terrible. <laughs> I know. Back after a long hiatus... Running the board. It's Stumpy John. Hey, everybody. Missed this place. I successfully made it out of Florida. They didn't <laughs> want to let me go. Congratulations. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I didn't make it out with a mullet, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I was uh, working on a segment for tonight. I'm like, well, John got back from Florida. I always love to do a Florida man segment. Oh, yeah. And if you Google Florida man motorcycle, they're just all too tragic. <laughs> well, it's like the dude that got tased in the gas tank in his backpack. It was wasn't in Florida. That was Arkansas, man. But I think yeah. that, is, that is a special place right there. There's just I'm not even. Gonna, they're all too tragic <laughs> yeah. to share. Uh, There's just way way too. It's much. like a bad B movie that writes itself. They like both motorcycles, though, Harley's and Davison's. <laughs> so yeah, glad you're back, John. Uh, on the classic girl couch tonight. Uh, representing since Emma isn't here in person, Uh-oh. so we've got the next best thing. It's Cat McLeod. <laughs> hey everyone, uh, back from a uh, trip uh, up north in Northern California, and various parts of my body are still thawing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, you went up to Northern. Oh yeah, north of Crescent City, but uh, my partner can talk about that. Yeah. Well, speaking of your partner, you're this first time joining us. It's Mouse. Thank you. Hi. And it's you're nice to be here. You're the brains behind the operation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. The the late. How do I'm you? I'm trying pronounce? not to steal the thunder here. Brains and oh. the and the looks apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. And uh, well, you heard the sultry tones of Naked yeah. Jim. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, happy Sunday, everybody. Daylight <laughs> savings. That's a cool thing. I yeah. know. Right, dirt bikes. I rode dirt bikes yesterday. Would you get go? out there? Get some. I went to Hollister uh-huh. just to shake down the bike before we headed to the desert. Hey, you didn't invite me. Yeah, I, I was full. <laughs> the truck right. was full. I had That's a bike. That's right. In it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, spur of the moment, you know. Yes, and coming from the frigid tundra of Oregon, it's bagel. Yes, where it is really frigid, we got snow today for the first time. (laughs) But I am happy to report that I am feeling nice and cozy here in my shop because I just got heat installed this week. Oh, what kind of heat? What do you got going? I got a little mini uh, heat pump installed, a mini split. Oh, And it is doing an awesome job. Climate controlled bagel. Yep. (laughs) Stays fresh. (laughs) Now I have no excuse to not work on stuff this winter. Well, now that he's graduated from scooters to mini motorcycles, he now has to treat him better. So he got the heat. That makes sense. Traitor. (laughs) Yeah. Do you you notice, Kat? There's something with some turn signals behind his shoulder. And you have to throw a leg over it. Kind of. Yeah. All right. And it has a gear shift to it. Wow. Uh, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) The handlebars fold down. Does that count? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that reminds me. We had a bunch of new people uh, come by the the garage day. I was busy. I was busy today. That That was early, huh? Yeah. A bunch of new people who found our podcast and came by on various degrees of things working or not working, but I didn't tell you one of the best. Oh, 
it's so funny. So uh, Christina came by on that Rebel 250 mm-hmm. um, that uh, she got when there was that whole deal. She traded the scooter. Ellie got the the shadow and then from Michael and then Michael gave there was and Ellie oh. gave the yeah there was a whole this everyone traded up you just muted me yeah I'm sorry Dude. I was gonna eat some candy and I was trying to mute it to be nice Dude. <laughs> you just sorry I'm just gonna do anyway, hot tamales so oh, somebody stole oh, no, somebody stole her rebel 250 what? And oh, they no. drilled out the yeah. ignition. Oh, she got it back. I heard her say it got she stolen. Okay. They drilled out the ignition, and then they tried to use a pry bar on the gas cap, uh. and then apparently got into a pursuit with the CHP on oh, a Rebel really? 250. The story just got way better. Oh, a Rebel 250? Yeah, the story <laughs> awesome. just got way better. They got it running. That's they, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They visiting from Florida. Oh, man. And then uh, bailed. they bailed on it, so she got the bike back. But she had to put a new um, ignition switch in. And so she brought that. And she's like, where's Emma? I need help. I'm like, come on, we can do this. You can figure it out. Wasn't actually too complicated. It was taking a bunch of um, parts off underneath the handlebars and and uh, different, you yeah. know, just it's taking nestled things in there, apart. Right? Yeah, it wasn't that hard, but you have to get access to all the screws. Yeah. So, um, but she's uh, the type of hesitant mechanic who's reluctant to she, she's uncomfortable, so she takes a little pushing, you know, and and like you can do it, and and letting her kind of be flustered, you know. I don't mm. know how this goes together. I don't know. Well, you only have two screws. I think you can figure it out, you mm. know. Mm. But at one point, she was like, um, "Well, she got the ignition in." I said, "Before you bolt it all together, just try it out first. Make sure it turns on mm. before you, you know, put everything in." She's like, "What?" Now I can't find the keys. Where are the keys? God damn it. And she's rifling through her backpack. Well, I was sitting there with uh, Max, who dropped by today. We could see the keys sitting on the seat of the motorcycle from our chairs. And she's ripping her bike, going through boxes, going through trash. I don't know where these keys are. And we're just sitting there grinning like, you just got to let her go through <laughs> this madness. She finally found them. And um, it worked. So then I'm like, great bolted all together so then she was getting frustrated and we were all kind of helping her but letting her be frustrated i can't find this screw just you know but she did it she did it all herself gets everything bolted up and i'm looking down at the ignition and i saw you know there's the writing on the collar around the ignition and it was upside down and i'm like oh you installed it upside down she's like wait what does that mean i'm like well crap do i gotta take it all apart and I said, maybe not. Um, why don't you do this? I need you to get on the bike, turn it on and start it in neutral. And then let the clutch out slowly. If it goes in reverse, <laughs> <laughs> I knew something oh, was no. going Then you're yeah. going to have to. She's like, oh, no. And <laughs> uh, right. John, not Stumpy John, John was there and he's like, Oh right, because it might reverse the polarity on the starter, oh, so and just and he's just he's like playing along. Playing along. Oh, no. So there's like three of us standing around, and she's like, "Okay, it started." And she's like, "Ah, crap!" I'm like, "I'm standing behind her. I'll spot you if it starts to go." <laughs> You're horrible. <laughs> That's awesome. You are horrible. And she reluctantly let out the clutch and it started to pull forward. She's oh, thank God! I'm like, you guys are oh, terrible. That's great. She still doesn't know. <laughs> oh, so did you leave it upside down? Yeah. Oh. We left it upside down. Okay. 
Yeah. So that's that's the next learning thing is whatever you whatever screw or bolt you tighten, be ready to untighten it no matter how many times. Yeah, so we were messing with her a little. Well, bit. that's fun. She was having a good time. She there was here she all day. Is. Oh, and joining us, Hello. it's Miss Emma. <laughs> Hello, darling. Hello, darlings. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in my sick bed. I'm actually oh. not. But... <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. No, I am too. What are you? You don't have Corona, do you? No, no, I get. Okay. I got. I got the clap. Again. So you have to clap again. Oh, okay. That's it. That's all. You'll learn one of these days. It's always after payday. You're not supposed to go always after payday. No, I can't help myself. Hello, darlings. So I can see Jim. And ah, I can see, that's the most important one. I can see Kat. And who else is in there? Uh, you have Mouse on Oh, the Mouse. Hello, darling. I was darling. looking forward to meeting you in person. Well, if you did meet me in person, I guarantee I would give you this awful hacking cold. <laughs> so next time. So, I was just, yeah, I was just finishing, finishing up a story. So uh, fortunately, Christina was here and she swapped out the ignition on that Rebel. And also it came a match set with a gas cap. So she was able oh, to that's good get thing, that all. That, that's one thing to think about. It's like nice. pain in the ass and extra key. So that's good. Cool. Um, yeah. Did that set work? Because yeah, yeah, she did. That set was the cheapest of the cheap. I think I I paid like twenty five bucks for everything. (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean it was yes for an ignition switch and a gas cap. Oh, and a helmet lock (coughs) and a steering wheel. Ooh, wow! (laughs) But then she was like, "Oh, okay, now we can do the helmet lock." And I was looking at it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have to take the fender and the wheel off. Because the bolts come from inside the frame to oh, bolt that no. in. That's of course, it's a hel- mm-hmm. it's a lock. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, let's save that for another day. That's funny. It didn't come. I think the Nighthawks come with a helmet lock. Yeah, but they don't make it so that you can get a screwdriver on there and take the helmet lock off. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. These bolts come from yeah, yeah behind. Hard to get the, on the inside of the frame where the fender. I'm is. just surprised it didn't come with them <laughs> stock, but yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, um, yeah, and I had a bunch of uh, other people here, um, got rid of some gear. Um, John showed up. The reason that Stumpy John can't be called John, because the first John, John Harris from episode number two. John the Baptist, as he's known. <laughs> yeah. he was he's here. a little stumpy, too, though. <laughs> he was he was here. So, yeah, that's, that's the reason you are Stumpy John. Well, he's as stumpy as I am, so I should be, like, not Stumpy John or Stumpy John, too. No, he was John, and then John Dalton came along, so he's John Dalton. All right. Mm. Now you're Stumpy John. Just, just Yeah, but John, no, but John is spelled differently. John is J-O-N. Oh, that's a weird one. Yes. Yeah, so um, Emma missed you. I was running around all day well, I'm sure different it did you people good, showing up. What, did, what? You know what? You, <clears throat> I'm sure it did you good, and you know what they say? Abscess makes your fart go Honda. That's what they say. <laughs> Is or that what they're saying? Like, uh, yes. I think that's the cough that's meds the, talking. No, I think I think an abscess makes your fart go Honda. So um, I'll be along next week. Because this thing is a very, very nasty cold. So back to my cold, because this is what I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not on the agenda tonight. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. Um, no, it's, it actually... It's listed it under current on, events. Yes. With current events, um, 
It started on Wednesday, terrible sore throat, and then the last couple of three days I felt like hell. But I am feeling marginally better mm. today, and I went out for a little ride earlier, which did me the world of good. So, um, no, I'm going to be back to 100% probably tomorrow or Wednesday. Or... But not Tuesday. No, ne- never on a Tuesday. we to Tuesday for that, right? <laughs> never on a Tuesday, darling. Just never on a Tuesday. Just in time for not us. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. I have some plugs to do. Now who's she talking to? Are you talking to a cat or is Kathy crawling around on the floor? No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all these emails that have been oh, sent. Oh, yeah, save that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to open any of them because it's all about Ducatis, which, as you know, is a favorite subject of mine. Yeah, yeah, save that. That's for something else. Um, uh, a couple quick plugs. Rev Sisters Film Festival still happening. You can get your tickets. Uh, the free preview weekend is over, but it's only 10 bucks to get access to some great films. And um, go to RevSisters.com. That's going on for another week before that closes. And uh, yeah, we've been having a lot of people viewing films and, and voting for viewers' choice because everyone who... Watches gets to vote for which one they like the best. I'm not, and I'm not going to say what's in the lead. I was going to ask, mm. is there a clear favorite? So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you this, Liza. Do you have a clear favorite? I know that's like asking, mm. which is your favorite child? But um, The one that I really enjoyed, I think I mentioned briefly is uh, called little giant, the PW 50 story. And it's the one about a guy who buys a, an old PW50 for his little daughter because he yes. started out on a PW50. And so it's about the process of him fixing this bike up and teaching her to ride, but also talking to a lot of racers and people who started out as a kid on a PW50 and about what an impact that bike had on the market for getting people into riding. And little kids, little kids on dirt bikes, basically. So it's a. I, I really like that one. And anything involving Liza Miller and mini bikes is always, you know, that's a match made in heaven, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't involve me, but well, no, yeah, what but a cool nevertheless, bike! Nevertheless, yeah. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Mimi and Moto, the perfect holiday and uh, Christmas gift for kids in your life. If you want to introduce them to motorcycles, there's no better way to do it than the Mimi and Moto kids books. Have you guys seen this? They they now have plushies and everything. And, it, you know, you really do want to start them young. Um, our friends Nancy and Mark, who created uh, Mimi and Moto, have been on our show. They want uh, they want you to join their mission to get more children excited about motorcycles. So you can go to MimiAndMoto.com, where you can put, purchase their books. They have The Adventures of Mimi and Moto, and they also have Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet. Um, they have T-shirts, onesies, ornaments, and plushies and stay tuned because nancy and mark are working on a new chapter book called mimi and moto's magical meteors first gear which will be released uh, in early 2023 so remember visit mimi and today and get some christmas shopping done that will help create future motorcycle riders 
And as a postscript to that, one of my proudest achievements, if you buy a copy of Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet and look inside the back cover, it lists all the investors and my name's there. There So um, I really believe in these books. They're wonderful little books. Children absolutely loved them. My granddaughter was absolutely captivated by them. There's always little, lots of little things going on to really get little children's minds involved with them. So they're, they're great. Bye, Mimi and Moto. There you go. Um, my other plug is, is for our 500th episode party. Um, this is getting closer. I'm freaking out, man. Jim, I gave you a preview of yes. kind of what I've been working on. Yeah, high production value. I mean, I'm, None higher. we're putting on a show. Um Got a lot of misfits coming. I think we're going to have like 13 misfits on stage all mic'd up from many different generations of the show. So that'll be be interesting. Um, we want people to come. And there are people coming in to town. Yeah, from out of town. Yeah, people looking for a little, some ride advice and things like that. So, yeah, hopefully we get a lot of visitors. Yeah, it is uh, December 3rd, Saturday, December 3rd. And uh, there's going to be a ride during the day and then the show at night in a theater and then Sunday doing an open house at the garage, cooking up some hot dogs. And what I thought we might do, because we're going to do the group ride during the day, be about four hours. When we come back into town, I thought we could have just like a social mixer if people want to meet at a place called Abbott Square. It's right next to the theater. It's kind of an open air uh, place where you can eat and get different types of food and drink and stuff like that. So I'm thinking Abbott's. You know, there are many Abbots there to meet. Yes, the Abbots. Yeah. Um, used to be the Cooper House before the earthquake. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, maybe we'll do a little meet up there beforehand. And uh, yeah. The pre-mixer, the doors open at the theater at five. The show doesn't start till six because I figured we'd do a mixer there. And I'm going to be providing some food and drinks. And not stuff. the gallon bottle of tequila. That's not going. You don't think that's a good idea? <laughs> no. We've got like a You yeah, don't even drink. Gallon. It's no, I know. It's I need to get rid of it. It would certainly make the podcast very interesting that night. Yes, exactly. If we're just pa- passing out. At first I thought, oh, let's just pass the bottle around the audience. I'm like, oh, that's not really mm. COVID safe. It'll start sounding like the UK Parliament. You know, it's like Congress <laughs> with a two-drink minimum. Yeah. Kat, you coming down for it? Yes. There you go. So if anyone would like to come, tickets are free. But you have to reserve your seat. Simply go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Look for the button that says uh, get your tickets here, reserve your seat. I forget what I said. It's 500th celebration. And, uh, yeah, come join us. It's going to be fun. There's still a lot of people like, I think you're, aren't you doing a ride to Carmel Valley? No, no, no. We're not going, oh, that got scrapped. Everything's been replanned. It's mm-hmm. turned into a, a bigger and better event and i know em and i are dialing things in we're fine-tuning and and a a stop at the jameson museum maybe in the works also yeah yeah i think i think a brief stop whether it'll be a refreshment stop or just a high nice nice a nice cup of spot of tea a nice spot of tea and some crumbly cake oh i (laughs) yeah we baron yes exactly (laughs) so Uh, um up up next on my on my I got a little list of stuff here. Uh Jim, John, Bagel, Emma, I have a question for you guys. Yes. Um 
we were talking about going to the AIM Expo in Vegas mm-hmm. in January. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah, we should hire a masseuse for the entire time. But we have another option we need to consider. I wanted to throw out to you guys Ooh. to vote. <clears throat> um, also in January, I think like two weeks before that, um, is the Meekum auction. Oh. Hmm. Okay. And, and and our friend uh, Mike, listener Mike, he I said, would, maybe you guys should consider going to that. I would consider that. In wait, Vegas wait, also, right? Auction? In Vegas. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate with that. It's not as interesting as you think. Hmm. It, there's, there's a lot more of a diverse scene at AM Expo. You know, the Meekum auction is one type of of person <laughs> I, I know what you're saying yeah. <laughs> bidding on one type of bike just times a gazillion so if you put uh jim in a button-down shirt and a sport coat he'd fit right in there you go times oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah no no emil, um, emil shove a jalapeno in my mouth and i'll go fight the biggest guy <laughs> yeah, yeah i will i will pay you to fight this tough guy in there. Uh, even but after the incident i'll still do it but, yeah, I mean, the bikes are superb. Of course the bikes are superb. And, you know, it's a who's who yeah. of buying motorbikes. But ultimately it's just a bunch of rich cats who've got more money than they know what to do with <clears throat> bidding on bikes, some of which are just impossibly restored. So something I Jay Leno it- doesn't have in his garage yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, or he hasn't got enough of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. he wants another he wants another five. Um I don't know. I mean, it's a spectacle. Like the quail is a spectacle. Um Is aim in January I, or February? January. Okay. I th- or end of January or beginning of February. It's around there. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll, I'll yeah. look right now. Yeah. Um well, I'm glad that you said that because I was like, well, I want to I would rather go to AIM Expo, but I wanted to present you guys. I'd rather go to AIM Expo. So the upside, the upside to that. So the event in Vegas is only motorcycles, and there's going to be a thousand bikes for sale. But they're doing a Meekum auction in Monterey in August. Let's go to that. That I think is part of the Car Week. That is only a hundred bikes going Mm. in for auction. I thought, well, maybe we can go to that to kind of. See how this yeah. whole thing works. Have some artichoke soup too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think if we go to that, it'll be an uh, an opportunity. We can make it a costume party for the misfits. Oh yes. We, oh yes. wait, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'm like no. a top hatter from. Uh... Right, exactly. We can dress up <gasps> as our favorite anime character. <laughs> oh. Right. Not Thomas the Tank the Tank Engine, whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the top of Matt. Oh, I, I could be a Teletubby. A Teletubby. I'll be a Teletubby. Me and John will be a couple. Yeah. I've, I've just got this vision of Stumpy John dressed as the purple Teletubby. <laughs> you know, the problem is that's not too far of a jump. Run, running from security. <laughs> I've got my Thor Halloween just costume. Don't do, don't do the clear <laughs> center, please. <laughs> not the, oh, not you're the taking furry. all the fun out of it now. Not the furry, uh, the furry oh, version. Now it's just been up to a dare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the AIM Expo is mid-February, so oh, you can potentially do okay. both. You, I'm telling you, can fly. Check. Know. Okay, I'm going to throw down a possible dare. You can rent a private jet out of San Jose for 450 bucks, fly directly to, to Vegas, 
um, go to Mika Mothman's for a day, stay a night, play whatever it is we do, and then come back the next day. But you could split it between like a whole bunch of people. No, it's 450 per person. A person. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, <laughs> pulling up the cash. Yeah, no, we anyway. used to be able to fly to Vegas for like 100 bucks. Seat. But anyway. Yeah, that's it. You sit on my lap. Well, um, well, yeah, we'll look into that. But I think it would be fun to do the one in Monterey. I, I think AIM Expo, even though I believe it's gonna, it's turning into more of like an e-bike event, because that seems to be the big thing, and a lot of dealers are switching to e-bikes. Um, I still want to go. We had fun last time. We got to go did. find Gomi and, and, and Gomi. try to find him. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's another decision, Emma, that you need to make. Well, and possibly the others as well. Emma, the the question to you is, how many times do you want to go to Italy next year? <laughs> uh, how oversold are we now? <laughs> <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? All right. Um, this, the, the, I've, there will be a survey for people to fill out. We're already halfway full, and we don't even have dates yet. Demand is obviously very mm-hmm. high for the Motorcycles and Misfits training tour, the tour that intends to get you out of the country for the first time and show you that riding Europe really isn't that hard. And if you're a motorcycle rider, you should not be afraid of international travel. Get you through you know, how to arrive in country, what you need for passport, what you need for vaccinations, how to... How do you get fuel? How do you get food when you don't speak the language? All the fun little things like that. Yes, the the link worked. Ken. All right, all right. <laughs> so obviously, demand has been very high because our first tour was very successful, uh, and so the so the question is: Should we hold two motorcycles and misfits training tour in the Dolomites, or should we offer a different? tour for the second one the one option i'm seeing these options here (laughs) well one option one option uh is very dependent uh, upon mouse sitting next to me would be castles castles and curves leaving out of munich and going through uh the black forest and a little bit of switzerland and uh, just the north of alsace and france to see all the best crusty proper castles not this not the bergs bergs, not the crazy you know froofy palaces but the proper fucking crusty castle that you know you feel like you should have a crossbow and you should be aiming at the peasants up on the battlements that type of good crusty castle as well as this tour would be a little bit more complicated because we'd have to bounce from hotel to hotel so this is what real true motorcycling through europe is because you're not staying at the same hotel for days at a time Mm. you're actually moving you have to pack properly uh, you have to do sink laundry. This is real travel. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other possibility is we do the same idea as the Dolomites, but instead we do it in the middle of Tuscany. Mm. There's no bad ideas. You could, you could be like, I'm going to go to the river and whatever. It's like, it's all uh, good. Sounds can I, magical. Can I, can I give you another idea, Kat? Mm. Spain. Yes, I do have the possibility of Spain. Um, I want to work through that with my vendors to make sure that I've... Uh, the the trick, of course, is I would want to do Catalonia and the Pyrenees, um, but I need to find the right location and the right group of roads in order to make it happen properly. So I tell you what, and I will say this in front of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, two trips for 2023 is okay with me okay great just you know the the first trip was 
a runaway success. It was a wonderful time for me. I think it was a wonderful time for everyone on the trip. Um, we work, me and Kat work very, very well together. Kat brings a huge amount to the table. This is his damn job. This is what he does for a fucking living. Um, and I bring a lot to the table as well. So I think we're kind of a force to be reckoned with. Hey, um, Emma, can you bring your mic in front of your well, mouth Well, I think again? the hotel certainly get Thanks. a little bit scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, uh, Everybody as rolls up. Yeah, how fun. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, let's do it twice. And just wherever it happens, Kat, it happens. Do you, do you have a, a roundabout sort of time when they may happen? Like spring, fall or something? Well, pretty much it's always going to be early summer to mid-fall probably is about what we're looking at here. Um, Liza has the link to the survey. I sent survey. it to Emma. Okay, and that you guys can put that in the show notes so anybody listening yeah. can look at the show notes and click so, on the link, and you guys can just help me decide what's going to be the, the second tour. Would you do two tours just back-to-back so you guys just stay there? Oh, uh, trust me, I've got other tours happening we in, have, yeah. Yeah, in Europe. So what I try to do is I try to space in the Motorcycles and Misfits tour in between mm, two, uh, two tracking tours so I can save some money. But Emma would have to fly back twice. Um, yeah, probably, unless she just had to go somewhere else in Europe and goof around. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. I mean, I've got a motorbike shop to run, but, <laughs> well, no, the point is with Mototown, I've made this clear from the very first day I opened it. Yes, it is a motorcycle store where you can get your bike fixed, but it's also in a lot of ways like the Misfits. It's about everything motorcycle which means if you want to display motorcycle art you can do it if you want to use it as a place to hang out you can do it a lot of people in that room went to my opening when we had a band playing and we had all the vampires hanging out we had 150 bikers in the parking lot it's that too and if that means for two or three weeks every year i biff off to somewhere in europe and help people ride motorbikes that to me is part of what I do and part of who I am. It's a business so, expense. Yeah, exactly. No, it's brilliant. Actually, no, you couldn't write it off, Emma, if you find some parts that you purchase there for some projects back at your shop. Yes. Yes. There you go. Go to a good yes. flea market, write it off. Um, so, yeah, you guys need to figure that out because, yeah, there's been an overwhelming response. Yes. Yeah. Well, to uh, that the, survey, the survey does work, and I just put in my choice. You know, Kat, mm-hmm. Roe is Arrivederci Roma. You know, it's irresistible, I'm afraid. <laughs> Bagel, when are you going to get on this tour now that you're a biker? <laughs> well, I, I really would like to do this on a Vespa, and I, I I I thought there was a place in Munich, but it was in another city. So I'm still trying to find find out if there's a place I can get a get a Vespa there. But I'm I'm working on it. Mm. I, I would really like to go, especially in that tour through the uh, the Black Forest. That sounds fantastic. Yes. Do they have the cake? Can you get the Black Forest? Yeah, cake I was going to say. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, it's right next to the ham. It's uh, more popular Zachertort. Ah, okay. Yes. I hope that's 
black forest cake. Mm, it's sort of like it's a chocolate bomb. I'm sure, it's yeah, awesome. it's a, it's 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 death oh. by chocolate. It's seriously oh. thick goo of nothing but chocolate. Yeah. That sounds wonderful, like chocolate caramel cake, basically. Oh my god! Uh, speaking of thick goo, um, Kat, you were telling me that uh, on your trips, you've learned some some good tips and lessons about accessories and well, and such. yeah. I mean this this year we we had five tours this year. Uh, so, so wait, are, are you back? Is it, yes, is it yes, back? we're back. We're back, we're back. Uh, and already we're we're frantically trying to plan for for next year because some exciting possibilities for next year. It's really going to be fun. Um, okay, so what did we learn? What 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 can help uh, fellow motorcycle travelers? Well, I'd say the biggest one is not a motorcycle accessory at all. But when you are traveling abroad, you are outside of your normal routine which means it's easy for you to lose things. And it's also very critical that you sort of know where your luggage is. Uh, so the big selling point for anyone traveling abroad is Apple AirTags. Oh, they're awesome. Oh, my God. Yep. Do they work with droids? Yes. Oh, I can order some? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So what's the range on those? The range is however close the Apple AirTag is to another Apple device. Mm, okay, so it doesn't wor- work in the wilderness necessarily. As but soon as in somebody walks, yeah. It's, well, are you? Yeah. Most, well, if you have a bear that swallowed a cell phone, yes. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. The really handy thing is okay. You've you know you've you've checked into your flight. You've dropped off your bags. You're sitting on the plane. You're a little nervous, and you can look down at your app, and boom, you can see that your luggage is already on the plane with you. Okay. And then when you make that all important transfer in, in Schiphol or Copenhagen, you know, or, or Frankfurt, and you're trying to get to your next destination, you can see on your phone that your luggage has indeed made it made the transfer. I'm going to require all of our clients next year to get those passport holders that also have a little air tag yes. holder in it. So I don't have to hear once again, Kat, I forgot my passport. I can't find it. See this it. wallet right here? has an air tag in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Can uh, I put uh, one on John at uh, Vintage Days? Yes, you can. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so I can find out where he so is. So I, I assume this comes from experiences. probably just be going in circles. You've had I know enough where he experiences is. where people lose their stuff, huh? Yeah, this is, well, that's one of our famous, we call them cucumbers. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. cucumbers that emerge. It's not like Liza's cucumber. I no, no. It, a zucchini. This is <laughs> spaghetti squash. This comes from uh, our partner Enrico in Italy who says every t- as soon as the motorcycle tour starts, the air becomes filled with invisible flying cucumbers. And you never know when one of them is going to fly straight up your ass. And one of the cucumbers that often happens is, Cat, I can't find my passport. Oh, my God. You know, I left it or, or you know, I left it at the hotel the last hotel mm-hmm. that we're now you know 300 miles away from so we have to send the luggage truck to go back and get it you know just mm. yeah so items left behind are famous cucumbers and air tags uh, are real will help with that so that's that's really the big plus the other big sort of thing that we just noticed this year is we tried giving chatterbox units uh the radio comm units to every single person on the tour not just on the dolomites training tour for the motorcycles of misfits but also some of our other tours and people figured it out they figured it out pretty quick and it really helped move the tour along so yeah. anybody doing group rides where you've got like 10 people or more and you know that you know bluetooth works great for a passenger and rider and maybe two riders right. right next to each other but outside of that 
there's just not enough range. And so the, the chatterbox units have really helped keep group rides together and moving quick. What's a chatterbox unit? I don't know. I like how you raise your hand. That is so- <laughs> <laughs> Liza punches me in the dick from across the room if I don't. So. Uh, a chatterbox unit is literally, it's, it's made by a chatterbox. It's a small helmet-mounted uh, radio that also integrates Bluetooth, so you can listen to your music, you can answer your phone, um, but it uses... M- uh, FRS and GMRS uh, radio frequencies, just like a, a handheld walkie-talkie. Okay. So, so your range is much better. Okay. So it's different than the Senna. Okay. Yes, yeah. vastly different. Can, can I jump in here? Sure. Without the Chatterbox units, that Dolomites training tour would not have been half as good. And yes, Gold Squad used them far more than any other team. But nevertheless, it was so much more enhanced because we had them. They're the greatest thing because you were riding through some of the most spectacular countryside in the world. And yes, they're great. You say, okay, there's a speed camera ahead. There's 30 miles an hour speed limit ahead. But when you just go around a corner and like, oh, my God, look at this. It makes the Mm -hmm. journey so Mm -hmm. much more fun. And they, they work flawlessly. The biggest problem is remembering to charge the bloody things up every night. <laughs> so does it function like a Senna, basically, with better well, range? Is... No, or... it's a radio. Okay. Senna, is, Senna operates off Bluetooth. Okay. I was going to tell so, Emma that the best thing to do is when you get to your hotel room, plug it in first, then go drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What, what other uh, tips and tricks have you learned? Um, really, I, I wouldn't want to bore people with all the, all the other things. But it's – well, you know what? The new GoPro 10s are actually pretty good. You know, we were testing those mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the stabilization is really good. And they – as were the 9s and the 8s. But mm-hmm. the increased battery life of the 10 really helps. And also the incredibly low price now that you can get SD card. I can get a 256 uh, – gigabyte SD card that'll last the entire tour. So I'm not, you know, transferring footage every night. So that's really handy. So if you're looking to upgrade, you know, you haven't gotten a GoPro camera for a while. Uh and the best the best place to mount your camera for just an overall experience uh, is using a chin mount. Mounting mm. it right on the chin. It's easy to grab, it's easy to turn it on while you're riding. You don't have to like, oh, hold on, I've got to start my camera. Pull over to the side of the road, get off your bike, go up yeah. front. And you know, they have those remotes. The remotes half the time don't work. Is there a mount that you like to use? Yeah, it's literally called a chin mount. Okay. Is it is it sticky or like strappy or kind it's of It's a sticky. Okay. It's a sticky. The this, I tried some of the strappies and the strappies didn't work too okay. well either. Uh the chin mounts are made specifically for each model of helmet. <laughs> Oh I was waiting. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just really sorry I went there straight away. Uh, I think we all did. Knowing, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. That's good to know. Like, yeah. That's no, that's. It's oh, so, have I have you, a question. Have you tried the new uh, the 3D ones or mm. the 360? Um, we've had those 360s on tour for a number of years. Yeah, the biggest cool. problem with the 360 camera is not is not the camera itself, but nobody ever uses it in, in editing. It's so much mm. work to edit oh. all that extra footage, and the file sizes are bloody Massive. huge. Oh, I didn't think about that that mm. yeah, it's cool, but you'd only want to use it for a short bit because it requires so much work in the editing bay to get it to work, you know, to do it right. Yeah, but you yeah. have all the choices. You do you have all those choices, and then you're spoiled yeah. for choice, and then you have to yeah. 
plow through these giant video files to mm-hmm. get the pieces that you want. So it's very processor and disk intensive. Because a lot of people do multiple cameras, and this mm-hmm. right. gives you all. No, of that. I recommend the chin the the chin camera forward, uh, and then if you're riding in a group. Uh, put a GoPro camera facing backwards. It's kind of easy to, you know, just as you're starting out, turn around, you know, hit the one button, turn on the camera, and then you get this dynamic shot of the people following behind you. And make sure you tell you, hey, I'm going to run the camera, so get in close. Makes a better mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of fun. It, it makes for an exciting angle. Um, some of uh, my partner actually has this weird thing where he mounts the camera literally on the swing arm. You'd think it would be too much, uh, but the stabilization of the units, it actually is a dynamic shot. But I don't know if I'd want to – you wouldn't run a whole bunch of footage of that. It's, it's good for a close-up clip here and there, but it's not your overall experience video. So one off the nose, one off the tail, and a chin chin camera is pretty much what I run for capturing the entire trip. And then the, uh, the ultimate, of course, is if you have a passenger. And if you have a passenger, Ta-da. they can hold what we call – the stick. <laughs> the stick. <laughs> the stick. Right. And Mouse is really good with the stick uh, as a passenger. The strap? No, we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all looking at you. You do not strap <laughs> on the stick. <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to throw in, in my two cents, is I personally like the Senna 10C Pro for all of these things because it is the camera and the comm system in one. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to deal with all those things. So that's just my my take on it. Yeah, um, Jimmy. Oh. The only the only caveat I would say about the 10C Pro, which I, I have too, and I I love it, but man, that camera eats up the battery really fast, mm-hmm. especially if you have video on. Yeah, but you can plug in a auxiliary battery pack. True. Yeah. True. True. What do you what, you had? Something oh, Jim? I was back to the the tour stuff. So I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. I'm planning on going to Italy next year. Yes. Right. Anyway, and I, I was curious, tip wise, if you had to like some some specific Italy only tips like sure in Italy. These are the interesting little things to know. Um, it's it- cheapest to fly into London or sorry, Rome. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else? Else? <laughs> There's hundreds if I could think <laughs> yeah, about them. We could we could go on. <laughs> okay, um, Italy is not a. Most of Italy is not about the view that you're seeing from afar. It's the view right up in your face. Italy, when you ride in it, you become a part of it. It's not like the Dolomites of the Pyrenees where you're looking at these grand vistas. You're now in the vineyards, dodging the traffic, you know, going around the Fiat Panda. That is the bane of motorcycle existence in in Italy is this vehicle called the Fiat Panda. There's something about the blue panda. panda. The The blue. blue. Yes, blue pandas. Um, Italy, take, take the road less traveled. Take the little tiny roads off to the side. You're never going to be, you know, more than 20 minutes away from some adorable little village with some fabulous place to eat. Italy is really good for food everywhere, everywhere. But the only problem is Italy only serves you Italian food for the most part. They're not big on choices, but the Italian food is fabulous. I like Italian food. Okay. Well then you are going to get fat. Yes. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of carbs. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um the the, but it's simple. the cheap wine is fun. Mm-hmm. It's fresh. And a lot of people are making stuff that's we call it the farm to table here for the Napa popes, mm-hmm. but really Italy's been doing this for centuries. Oh, right. cool. 
What are, what, are the, what are the phrases do you need to know? Like exciting motorcycle phrases. <laughs> like give it the beans. How do you say that in Italian? Oh, I have that. Vai, vai, vai. <laughs> no, no, I, I have that. Hold on. Oh, Google Translate? Uh, no, no, give no. Remember beans. when I created... Yeah, we yeah, did that, we that, that game. Do not use the black like pump. No black pump? Was that diesel? <laughs> That's the diesel. Ah, okay. See, it okay, is... Good to know. I've ridden through Scotland. That's my only experience. Come on. Now it's not doing it. <laughs> now I can't get it to work. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm good to go now. I am set for Italy. Of course, you remember this. Uh, you remember this one. <laughs> well, you're getting a fight after that. <laughs> and then, Emma, what, what did that say? Oh, uh, piss in the airbox. you got a rodent problem. I'll give, I'll give you $300. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Jim, um, I have a recommendation for you. Yes. Um, I think when you're there, mm -hmm. you should go to a, a cute little village and you should um, go to a real estate agent and see if they have any really good deals on little villas that are little fixer-uppers. Wow, there's that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot. They sell them. The, the famous thing is they sell them for a dollar. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, because they're trying to get people to move back into these old villages. And, of course, it's a nightmare to get these things fixed up. But in some cases, they have you know wonderful little... Yeah, little stories of people who have actually done it and trying to reinvigorate these right. tiny villages. I have friends that are literally just signed the paperwork on a place in France today, and they're leaving L.A. in the rearview mirror and moving to Europe. I'm trying to imagine right. anything done in France. Well, it, it, it's absolutely captivating out there. The, the most memorable days of the tour, of course it's the biking, but it's the tours when we took the wrong turn and ended up in the middle of this tiny village. <laughs> you know, and it was um, farmer's market day. And so the whole of the village is out. Everyone's buying. Everyone's happy. Everyone's thrilled to see us. That was the amazing part. Um, it is the most amazing country. It really is. I, I fell in love with Italy over and over and over again. So well, everybody <clears throat> rides. That's the thing. Even your grandma, she's on her Vespa going to the grocery store or going yeah. to see a friend and pick up some olive oil from her friend. The Italians are passionate about everything. This is why they have incredible art, incredible motorcycles, incredible cars. Um, but also there's some downsides. For example, your waiter, waitress, server, whatever, is really not going to be that excited to see you unless you make their day fun. Italians do not live to work. They only work just enough to live. So part of the deal in Italy is to try to make your interactions with these people a bit fun. You have to try to, you know, ha have a bit too much personality and have a blast with it. Uh, that'll help you get better service. Right. Um, but food, food, they put so much care into cooking even the most simple dishes that they're just exquisite. So, Jim, one last I, I, tip I'm going to oh, give go you for Jim. Sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, don't expect your GPS to work because every town has a Via Roma or a Via Garibaldi. So, I don't even know what that is, but <laughs> it's the name of the street. Oh, gotcha. Oh, it's because they all, they all have the same right. streets. So oh, no. Right. 
Uh, we've lived in Atlanta where there's 32 Peachtree streets. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm also not smart enough to ride and have a GPS unit in front of me at the same time. Then so I'm, gonna have have to. I'm the guy that pulls over. Doing, and... the, doing the old style map is really the best way to go. Okay, good. I'm, I'm good with maps. Um, I was making reference with the villa. Remember that Diane Lane um, movie? Under the she, Tuscan Sun. Under the Tuscan yes. Sun where she went to Italy and fell in love and found a cute little right. villa. That's why I don't and remember And it turned it. out to be like the biggest money pit ever because right. I, I'm just like, yeah, don't buy an old Italian villa just because you think it's a deal. Nope. Much like... There's a lot of people say there's no such thing as a good deal on a Ducati, mm. <laughs> right? Right. A cheap Ducati is not a good deal. Many say so. I threw out a challenge uh, to all the misfits to see who could find the best deal on a Ducati. Is there such a thing as a good deal on a Ducati, Emma? No. <laughs> I don't know why you bothered asking that the question. question the answer is right? thing is a cheap vote. Right? So I had uh, all of us find something that we thought was a good deal that we're going to present to Emma and she's uh, going she's going to pick who got the best deal. So um who's ready to start? Why want let's go uh I think Kathy, we'll go you got you got kind of a high end bike. Well, yeah, because in, in, I, I I saw this, and frankly, I'm I'm a little bit shocked at the price. This was a a, a 2015 Multistrada 1200S Touring bike with only fifteen thousand miles on it. Which, yes. So somebody, so this bike, it's basically the same platform that's existed since 2010 is what this bike's going off. It was slightly updated uh, in 2014. So this is a, they've run through all the bugs on this one. So this is a pretty solid, reliable bike. Uh, 15,000, you know, I think it was it 15 or 30,000 valve servicing. It's perhaps even, it hasn't even gotten to the valve servicing yet. It's only halfway through. Uh, to that, it's 30000 So the guy wants to sell it for 11000 bucks, And the guy's living in San Francisco, which makes me, you know, this is, I would expect to see this type of price in Utah or Arizona. Now, granted, $11,000 is a lot of money. But when it comes to what you're getting here, you're getting a 150 horsepower sport touring bike with he's got this thing set up with the uh, the touring bags as well as the enduro kit on it which will probably never be used um, but it's a full full ready to go just as just as good as new sport tourer but it's a you know you get to say you're riding a you know a hot sporty ducati for 11,000 bucks i thought it was a pretty good deal what color is it darling oh uh, yeah that's the problem it's white <laughs> You got me there. You got me there. Yes. It's, it's, it, yes. Well, you know, I mean, you point out exactly this. You're riding an exclusive, a very exclusive bike for not a lot of money. But you and I both know the running costs of these bikes can be pretty damn high. Um, Let's move on to the next one. All right, which one do you want next, Emma? Um, All right, I got one. You got one, John? All right, why don't you go? Yeah, I sent it, okay. to, I sent it to you, Miss Emma. I have a uh, Well, no, hang on. Wait a minute. Let me see. Uh, bu- bu- I've got three from you. Yeah, so this is the so you gotta t- pick one. 2007. Okay, this is the one you're going with? This is a used 2007 1098R. Oh, my God. 
Oh, I know he's not winning. <laughs> uh, collecting dust in his garage. He needs a, it needs a new home. It's based in uh, Modesto. It has 12,500 miles. And they are asking $7,500. I'm amazed it made it 12,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, John, that is been sitting for a while. Um, I want to find a picture of it. Jesus, it's a, it's a 1098, and as gorgeous and as pretty as it is, that is going to cost you the same again very quickly. Ooh. But oh. my God, what a great looking pot. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty. Oh, it's and it's cool. red. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 75, yeah, it is a good looking bike. But that's the thing. Is there how, such a thing? How much was it again? Uh, 7,500. 7,500. So you probably, probably get out of there with five if you brought cash. Well, no, maybe you're not going to get it for five. But, I don't know. But, you know maybe, I don't know. maybe 72. Not in this market. No, not in, no. Yeah, just, no, she's got to put just, it in this market. Just remember, if you want valve and belt service on any Ducati V-Twin, um, except, of course, for the for the monsters with the little two-valve engines, it is $1,500 to $2,000 at any shop. Yeah. And that's just for the belt and valve service. So you start chucking in old tires, brakes that are a bit sticky, fork seals, it mounts up. You know, any bike that's been sitting around gathering dust in a garage. The thing is with Ducatis, and they do tend to suffer with this more than other bikes, they are thoroughbreds. And if you take a racehorse <coughs> and stick it out in a field and give it oats for a couple of years... <laughs> You know, it's going to get fat. It's going to need a lazy. valve job. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly, that's exactly what happens to these bikes. They do not sit idly well. Oh, a leaky valve um, on a horse is not good. Yeah. They Triumphs. get the airbox full of oats. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, Triumphs, God bless them. I mean, you can, you can mm. dump a Triumph in the back of your garage for three or four years, pull it out, flush the fuel, put a battery in it, and it'll run like a champ. Um but Ducatis really do suffer from sitting around, so I'd be very wary of any bike that's been sitting in a garage for a while. Next! Ha having uh, been on a number oh. of tours with Ducatis that have had slight mishaps on the road, I can tell you that, yes, light weight on a motorcycle is a gift that keeps on giving until it crashes. And then the <laughs> right. bike disintegrates. It's lots Oof. of fun when the rubber side is down, but as soon as it goes shiny side down... They they fly apart yeah. into bits. All right. Um, how about you, Bagel? Do you do you have a Ducati? Uh, I do. Okay. Um, I found, and this is this is the second email I sent to you, Emma. This is a 2008 Ducati Multistrada 640 Ooh. in Ashland, wait, wait, Oregon. Wait, they made a 640. That's what the ad says. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let's have a look. Okay. Yeah, and this ad. Go ahead and keep yeah, reading. Yeah, that says it has 8,800 miles. And oh, it runs oh. perfect, has one little scratch on the front, beautiful bike. $3,300. 640? Mm. I never heard of a 640. Oh, it's, it's a 696. Oh, okay. 696? Oh, okay. Well, I guess they don't know what they have then. Wait a minute. I might be looking at the wrong one. 
No, I'm looking at the 2011. I'm, I need to look at your Yeah, other there's a second email I sent that has the 2008 Ducati Multistrada. Multistratas, I've always thought, were underpriced. Well, the 950, oh. I think, is underpriced. Some of them can be pretty expensive. I'm not... I'm not seeing that. I've got two. I've got Here. two. Well, hang on. Let me have a look and see if you sent me a. a Did you guys text. talk about the horsepower That's in those already? Question. Did I miss that? Because I hear those make a bunch of horsepower. Do it's they? The, the Multistratas? Yeah. Let me well, let me send it, it to you again, on, Emma. Depends yeah. on my 2010 mm-hmm. made about 165. Are you sending it to yeah. me? Yeah, it's a bunch. Yeah. My yes, current yes. one's about 198. That's a oh, bunch wow. more. Yeah. <laughs> No, I I want to see this. I was surprised. I, I was surprised that they made that much horsepower. That's, that's crazy. But see, yeah, intoxicating, as we oh, say. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, um, do you ride a Multistrada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have yeah. you have a big one. I have the the V4S, and I will I will yeah. tell everyone you get the S. The S is worth every penny okay. to get the S. Would you ride a, an older one? I had an older one. I had a 2010 oh, Multistrada. Okay. It was a wonderful bike. It was very playful. Hmm. All right. Did you find it yet, Emma, or should we go on to the next? No, you're going to have to go on because I'm getting nothing from Bagel. Nothing Ooh, from it's Bagel. It's on its way. Well, bloody hell, Bagel. It's only right. being, being it's, powered it's, by a fucking Vespa. It's the miracle of modern technology. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, do you want to uh, jump to to Jim's while you're waiting on that? I think he texted yeah, well, it. Yeah, well, let's have a look. He texted it to you. All right, shout yeah, over to y'all. Okay, so, okay, damn these eyes. All right, so this is a small production, highly sought-after oh. Ducati you no, can get into for under $10,000. All right. Yeah, yeah. We've got a winner. It's a 2007 a Sport Classic oh, GT1000. Yeah, this yes, is the it's a head-turner. Always serviced, uh, blah, 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 running like it just rolled off the factory f- floor in a beautiful Gran Turismo gray. Yeah, it's a great looking bike. Somebody's a good copywriter as well. Yeah. So for under 10 grand. What else? There, is, what it's else got 30,000 miles on it. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a choice bike there. That is a good bike. So there you go. That's hmm. that's mine. Oh no, that's that's the winner right there. You can't winner. declare the, the winner until everyone comfy. is gone, Emma. Oh, the seat I haven't beautiful. gone yet. That, that sounds right. awfully expensive to be the winner, though. So thirty thousand is not a deal breaker. Yeah, I don't Seven, disagree. So, hold on, hold I don't on. disagree. It's hard to find them under five grand. I'll hold tell you. on, seventy five hundred dollars for a bike that's how old now? Two thousand and seven. Yeah, it's a classic though. Yeah, so that's fifteen year old bike. <laughs> Turismo <laughs> gray. No so shop's let me ask you this. Um, yeah, shops will <laughs> well, work on it. Motortown might. Um, I mean, this is just <laughs> yes. a naked street, like a vintage street bike. This is just it a street It reminds me bike. of some of the Moto Guzzi's, you know, like the V, whatever, nines right. or seven. So yeah. a 15 year old Moto Guzzi, I think you can get for less than 7,500. Or a Triumph. It's not a Ducati. I'm just saying. It's <laughs> 7,500 for a 15 year old kind of naked street bike. What kind of brakes? Is that a good have? deal? I'm asking that question. That's a lot of money. Well, didn't somebody pay, pay sixteen hundred bucks for a bike with no headlight today? Who was that guy? Sixteen hundred bucks. Oh, Emma, you won't like this story. We may have to save this for after the podcast. Uh, so, what we have here that Bagel has sent me. So, we're going to go back to the Bagel. Um, back when Multistradas were very strange looking. Yep. Yes, it was. It's a strange one. What year are we talking about? Two thousand eight. Uh, okay. Before yes, two thousand ten. They were sort of egg-shaped. And this is the smaller of the two Multistriders. Actually, 
I've got to be honest with you. It's a good-looking bike. Once again, it is red. Um, it looks to be in good condition. I've got to say, as much as I like that GTS 1000 of Jim's, the more I look at it, it does look a tiny bit shabby, actually. This Multistrada looks perfect. However, it's 2008. So guess what you're going to need? Belts. <laughs> And belts are expensive, you know. Um, so it's thirty. It's thirty three hundred bucks. This is going to become a five or six thousand dollar bike like that. That's what that's going to be. Oh, but it, actually, it's not bad. I like the look of it. It's, it's an interesting so bike. Awesome. Yeah, it looks like when, when we yeah. were kids watching cartoons on tv on saturday morning that someone would ride that thing yeah. through like you know <laughs> a post-apocalyptic desert all right well emma now that everyone else is gone i'm ready to win this competition rightio all right so i sent you an email with this one um i think i did find the best deal well you had the most time so i mean we know so the ducati monsters are kind mm -hmm. of the lesser Ducati. Uh, you start out with the 600s and you go up, but the uh, this one is a Ducati 1100 Monster. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good bike. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Good motor. This is a 2004 with 19,000 miles on it. And this one is going for $1,100. Ooh. What's the red, uh, title? Uh, a nice title bike for status. someone who wants to work on it. <laughs> I feel um, I just came in second. Had bike looked at and needs a few minor things to like be fixed. Belts. A few minor things. <laughs> and it, so, all right, I'm just going to read it. You're always a little suspicious when um, they write like this. Nice bike for someone who wants to work on. Had bike looked at a few minor things need to be fixed. Need to sleep ASAP. Sleep? <laughs> what? <laughs> so this was this was a post made while taking Ambien. That's what I was going <laughs> to <Yeah>. say. <laughs> Eleven hundred dollars right, or best oh, offer or or ten Ambiens. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. Value, um, whatever you got on hand. So I, no, it looks I'm complete. It's eleven hundred dollars. I'm going to read between the lines on this. <laughs> okay. no, I think there's on. a lot to read. Cocaine's so a hell of a drug. <laughs> so um, I think. He's misspelt or she's misspelt this. This was a bike they bought, broke down, they took to the dealership, and um, the list is so long and so expensive, they want out of it. And instead of need to sleep ASAP, need to be put to sleep ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cost of euthanasia for them is $1,100 oh, yeah. OBO. So that's what they need is 1100 bucks, so they can put themselves out of their misery, having bought this wretched thing. Um, God, it's going to be a money pit, Liza. You know, you, you but, think? you know, i got to say it's a good-looking bike. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, not, it's not too, too wrecked. I mean, well, they also took the photos at night. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, while on Ambien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of got tweaker all over it, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. Clean title status. I think you need a date stamp for that photo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, does it say bring cash? 
Yeah. <laughs> Meet and me a in a parking lot at 2 a.m. Yeah. Bring cash. Right? Um, yeah, $1,100 are best offer. I'm just saying a Ducati Monster is a simpler bike to work on, and this doesn't have... Now, here's the thing. One of the biggest expenses, and I know people with brand new bikes that were totaled because it fell over and got body damage. This doesn't have any plastics on yeah. it. This is a naked bike. When I started looking for a porn pick, I thought I was I was going to end up looking at a monster, you know, because well, I figured that's going to be. So you get all the performance without all the, the bits and pieces, the cosmetics that are really expensive. Well, I mean, I'll do a history hold on Ducati at some stage in the future, but for those that don't know, if it wasn't for the monster, there would right. be no, no Ducati. Ducati. Right. Yes, no. Quite familiar with the story. Their ass. Mm-hmm. All right, so save their ass. Emma, please tell everyone who won. Oh God. Who found the best? You don't deal? have theme music well, for this. Well, first, let me ask you this, Emma. The, the point I was trying to prove, is there such a thing as a good deal on a Ducati? So let me ask you first. Did we prove the point that you can find a good deal on a Ducati? <laughs> she got real quiet. <laughs> I truly believe, with the exception of Cats, which is an $11,000 bike, yeah. every single one of these bikes you're going to have to spend money on right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, right now and big money as well every single one of those bikes as a minimum is going to need belts as a maximum is going to need belts valve clearances oil change tires brakes fork seals blah 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 um that said if my head was talking i'd choose cats because out of all of the bikes, Cats is the least likely to set your garage on fire <laughs> or leave you abandoned halfway to your destination. But I'm not going to let my head rule this decision because these are Italian bikes and we choose them from our heart. Yes. So Cat knows which one I'm going to choose. <laughs> Gotta be the GTS. Well yep. done, Jim. Ah, Three Smoke Ray. Because it's a job. classic. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. God, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, as shabby as it is. <laughs> it's a head turner. What a fucking bike. It's a head, so yeah. I, I kind of was thinking about this from a different perspective, Emma. Would, are there any, let's say you wanted to do expensive stuff. Is there an, a vintage Ducati that you keep an eye, eye out for you could pick up for five or ten grand? But then flip for you know fifteen twenty or more money. Are there there are certain Ducatis it's, out there that you I could mean, do that with? It's, or it's so speculative. Yeah. Generally, the classic Ducatis you can't go wrong with, and the market's so fickle. I mean, I vividly remember at Monterey Peninsula Power Sports back when I worked there, we had a Paul Smart replica in silver with a green frame. Couldn't give it away. It was brand new. And in the end, we sold it discounted for like 10 grand out the door. Now you can't touch one of those bikes used for under 20 because they'd instantly become collectible. If you speculate on a vehicle becoming valuable, you know, it's it's really a tough market to follow. Um, 
Uh, so it's really more just collectors looking for a bike that are willing to drop I the money I, it's, for whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever their motivation is. And th- hence we talk about Meekum in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, amongst us who love our bikes to ride and love our bikes for what they are, um, just buy what you love. Just buy what you love. And if it becomes valuable, great. If it doesn't become valuable, you're not losing because you love the damn thing anyway. You know, when I restored that GT750 for um, Jameson Museum, nobody was restoring those bikes. Everyone said to me, you're completely mad. Those bikes will never have any value. But I love the bike. Um and I had this vision of the end result. And now, of course, you know, vintage Japanese two-strokes are big. But that's kind of like the icing on the cake. The real cake was having that bike, being able to ride it, being able to enjoy it. And that was far more important than the value. I mean, I spent far more restoring that bike than it would ever have been worth then. Now, of course, it's worth twice what it costs to restore. But back then, so, yeah. But that, that GTS is purely a decision based on heart, just on how it looks, how it sounds, how it would feel going down the road. And I know Cat agrees with me. Oh, yeah. That's no, exactly. No, it's, it's, a, it's a total classic. No, it, it, I, I only had like 10 minutes to, to pick one. So I saw something that looked like a good, you know, oh, you, you can buy this or you could buy a Tracer, a new Tracer. Well, you could have a Ducati, well, you know. I, yeah. I stand by what I said. Yeah. Your choice, Cat, is the least likely to set your house on fire <laughs> or leave <laughs> Well, I can tell you what is the worst <laughs> deal on a Ducati, a free one. you never want to take a free ducati because that is a money pit for sure we've had people who've got free ducati oh yeah not too long ago so oh yeah 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 that that happens well um we're continuing on and since you know cat's here and and you guys are doing your italian trip I wanted to. Oh, you got to go, Jim. Yeah, I got to bounce. Sorry, I got chicken pot pie waiting. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, great seeing you guys. All right, yeah, thanks cheers. for playing, Jim. Next time, yeah. Um, All right. So cheers. I wanted to uh, talk about another Italian <clears throat> motorcycle <clears throat> that we don't oh, yeah. know a lot about. Oh yeah. In fact, you see that model right there, the green one on the sh- on yep. the yes. Yep. That's that is a Benelli, which. You know, the Benelli uh, bikes that we know now are not the Benelli, the Italian bikes that we used to know. But um, they they do have a long history. And so I asked Emma if she could do a history hole on it. Because, yeah, for people who are just now learning about these Benellis that are basically Chinese bikes, there's a long history there. So, Emma, you want to tell us a bit about the the Benelli and it's uh, give us a little history hole on it? Benelli. I'm so sick, forgive me. You know, Benelli's one of those companies that they seem to play second fiddle, but it's actually, it's a very, very long established company. And it's got a lot of racing pedigree behind it. Hmm. It's just, it's been overshadowed by, of course, Ducati, as everyone else is. Um, And to a certain extent, Motoguzzi. But it is nevertheless a very old company. It was founded in 1911. 
Wow. So currently, it's 111 years old. And the thing I like about it, the company was actually founded by a very, very strong woman, Teresa Benelli, who ah. recently widowed, and she found herself with six sons. And by no means a fortune, but she had the wherewithal to invest in something that she thought would keep her sons occupied. So they bought a garage, and they repaired cars and bikes, the big thing for them is that by 1912, 1913, they were making their own parts. When you start actually manufacturing your own parts, and you can imagine that in Pissarro is quite an industrial area, but this is like 1912. Getting bits and pieces to keep people's cars and motorcycles and bicycles on the road is going to be thin. You're going to start making your own parts. It's a tiny, short walk from there to manufacturing your own engines, which they did in 1920. They've made their first in-house engine. Well, guess what? From making your own in-house engine to making your own in-house motorcycle is an extremely short walk. So in 1921, that was the very first Benelli, all Benelli motorcycle. It was 98 cc's, a little two-stroke, very rudimentary machine, but nevertheless, it was a great little bike. Now, one of the six sons was a guy called Antonio, and he was a budding racer. So he actually started racing in 1923, primarily using his um, siblings' products, and he was quite successful. He won four world championships between 1923 and 1930. 1932, he crashed while racing, and that was the end of his racing career. And unfortunately, it sounds like he took to racing on the street because he was killed in a car accident in mm. 1937. Mm. However, there were five other brothers that kept the company going. But, you know, whenever we talk about these early pioneers of manufacturing, Racing is such an important part of what they do. And in pre-war Italy, racing was everything. You talk about any of the pre-war motorcycle manufacturers, Motoguzzi, Gilera, Gorelli, these were all had racing pedigree. It was that important. Now, Emma, did... Oh. Um, did did Benelli make shotguns and guns first, or they did they make motorcycles first? They still do. No, yeah, I have a Benelli yeah. shotgun. Yeah, same here. No, the 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 gun manufacturing was alongside. It was okay. um, two of the siblings started making guns. Guns and motorcycles are really inextricably right. linked. BSA, Royal Enfield, right. a couple of other ones, but Benelli shotguns. You can buy a Benelli shotgun to this day. But we're just dealing with motorbikes here. So, um, 1939 to 1945, yes, Second World War. So the factory was given over to the war effort. Um, they supplied engines for field tractors, you know, the kind of things that towed guns around. And the factory was bombed a couple of times by the Allies. Um, however, they started production again in 1946. And, I mean... Both cat and mouse can kind of talk a little more about <coughs> the well, cat change. Mouse, I just got that. 
Um, the change in Italian, <laughs> the change in Italian culture after the Second World War. I mean, Italy's always been a passionate country, but it seems from 1949 onwards there was this massive drive <clears throat> to reinvent the country. Yeah, and everything became very, very stylish. Everything became very, very forward-thinking. Um, really, the world looked to Italy for design and style. Um, and Nutella. And, Ooh, yes, yes, and Nutella, of course. <laughs> everything, you know, everything goes better with Nutella, including Manelli's. So, <coughs> 1949 was a very interesting year for Benelli because one of the other brothers, Giuseppe, after the war, was very, very interested in motorcycle racing. The remaining four brothers weren't. So he split and formed his own company, Motobi. And Motobi are very, very interesting bikes. They really were the most stylish-looking things. They had egg-shaped crankcases and cylinders that stuck straight out of the front like an Aramaki. And the design cues can actually go back. But he was a Benelli, and they were produced alongside. 1962, the family bought the rights to Motobi back in-house. But from 49 to 62, it was a separate company, even though he was a Benelli. However, we're going to go ahead one year to 1950 to a bike called the Leoncino, ah. the Little Lion. And this, the Leoncino, was such an important part of Benelli, Benelli's manufacturing and Benelli's culture. This is kind of how they made their money for 20 years. It was that important. Started off as a 152 stroke, became a 175 four stroke. And it was the absolute backbone of Benelli production. In the 50s and the 60s, Everyone had a small capacity motorcycle in Italy. I mean, and they still do, as as um, Mouse pointed out. But back then, everyone had a stake in this. Um, and Benelli's were some of the best. So much so that they actually made a deal with an American importing company who represented Montgomery Wards and... Um, who was the other guys? Uh, well, no, it was... Um, let's just stick with Montgomery Ward because there was another one. But they were sold as Riversides in America. Mm. Yep. And I know a lot of people who come <clears throat> into my shop, a lot of people who come into the museum, you know, are guys and girls in their 70s. And a lot of them in the late 60s grew up riding basically Benelli mini bikes. I mean, this was when there was an absolute explosion of these tiny child's motorbikes. <coughs> oh. You know, we think of Honda being the only one, but Benelli was a serious con contender. They had the Benelli Dynamo, the Benelli Buzzer, a whole host of these things for boys, for girls, and they were very, very high-performing little bikes. The quality wasn't quite as good as the Japanese ones, but they came in these vibrant colors, and somehow they were kind of more exciting-looking. 
You know, that's kind of been a common theme with all Italian bikes. It always has seemed to be, um, how can you put it, the more special, you know, the, the more exciting alternative. Um, 1968 was, again, was an interesting year because they, they, they really, they've always made larger bikes. But one of their most successful ones, um, and one of our regulars who comes down here, Barry, has got one, yeah. is the Tor Tornado 650, which was direct jab at the English manufacturers. Um, didn't quite has a, have as much performance as a Bonneville, but it's great-looking bike. Um, and it was a really good alternative to the products of the day. <clears throat> 1970, and now we're getting into the bit that I like. <laughs> the family said, we've had enough of this, and we're going to sell. And they sold themselves to an Argentinian race car driver called Alejandro de Tomaso. And de Tomaso is a very interesting cat. He saw himself as really the savior of Italian sports car and motorcycle manufacturing. He bought a lot of companies in the day. His, I suppose his most famous creation was the Pantera. Um, and the Pantera was actually sold in Ford dealerships in the early 70s. And it was an Italian <laughs> supercar, but it had a 351 Cleveland engine in it. And yes, it had a five-speed transmission, and it was mid-engined, and it was every inch the sports <coughs> car. But <coughs> that was his most famous creation. But he, he ended up with major stakes in Benelli, and he realized that in order to compete with the Japanese bikes of the day, he was really going to have to make a product that was very, very similar. So what they did was they got hold of a Honda 504. I'm very hesitant to say they hmm. copied it because they <laughs> didn't. If you've owned a 504 and you've owned a Benelli 500 Quattro and you put them together, you realize how different they are. Ostensibly, they're of a similar design. Then what, the why did they have it, though? What were they copying from it? If they didn't well, copy it. Was it just an inspiration? I like to think so. I mean, if you, as an, just as an example, the Honda 504, the cylinders stick straight up. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, on the Benelli Quattro, they're laid forward 15 degrees. And whether that gives you more room for carburetors, maybe that just improves the flow of the engine. And it's funny little things like that. You actually look at the engines and you say, yes, these things are clearly related, but they're kind of not. Um, the Benelli's definitely a very, very different bike. And none of the components from a 504 will fit in the Benelli, no matter what people tell you. So would you because say... I would you say they used it to figure out how to make improvements and make a better better bike? Not necessarily improvements, <laughs> make it more Italian. Oh. Because <laughs> once, you, once you've ridden the Benelli's under the De Tommaso banner, you realize they are very, very much Italian bikes. 
they break like Italian bikes, they handle like Italian bikes, they sound like Italian bikes. I think it was really to give it more of that flavor. Is it true that all Benelli's come with a pasta strainer under the seat? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how you make it more Italian. Of course. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Um, but the one thing De Tommaso did, he was nothing else if, if the, a great showman. And his master stroke, really you could argue that he invented the first, for want of a better term, the first hyperbike, mm. and which is one of my favorites, which is the Benelli Say. And all the Benelli Say was, was a 500 Quattro with a cylinder grafted on either end. So now it became a 756 cylinder. Now, when you see one of these bikes today, especially one of the early ones, you're like, oh, that is a special looking bike. When you saw one back in 73 when they came out, it was like something from another planet. They were always special. I vividly remember the first time I saw one on the street, and I'm like, what in God's name is that? Um, it was an absolute master stroke, just taking very, very humble beginnings and making it into something very, very special. Um, Anyway, so those are the De Tommaso years. As good as these bikes were and as special as they were, it really couldn't help the company. By the mid-80s, most of the Japanese manufacturers, including Ducati and including Motoguzi, were struggling. And um, Benelli went under. And they were... Um, Who was that gentleman? Oh, C.H.E. You know, this gentleman um, called C.H.E. Um, who had a lot of interest in domestic scooter production, tried to revive them in 89, but really couldn't. There was, simply wasn't sufficient interest. So we're going to go all the way forward to 1995. And what happened in 1995... Um, the remnants of Benelli, and it was still the original factory in Pissarro, was acquired by the Maloney Group. And the Maloney Group had interests in domestic sports cars, scooters, speedboats, you know, anything that went quick. And they brought in a very, very young design team. Every single one of the design team were under 30. And they came up with this 900cc three-cylinder bike called the TRE, T-R-E. And it was actually quite successful at the time. Um, all the way through the early 2000s, there was a successful racing team. These were quite popular bikes, not necessarily here in America, but in Europe, they really were quite highly thought of. Um, so much so that in 2005, the um uh, the Benelli Group was bought out by a Chinese company called the Quaging Group. And again, these are guys... How do you say that? The Quaging Group. Are you sure? <laughs> I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm good I'm enough. Sorry. I'm good enough. With the, I think so. It could be the Quinjang Group. But nevertheless, um, they've got a lot of interest. Um, I think they own Lotus Sports Cars. They own... Um, 
pilotless aircraft companies. And they started developing the bikes still by using the factory in Pissarro for design and engineering, but manufacturing in China. The Ducatis that we know right now, in 2015, the Kujang Group was actually bought out by the Geely Group or the Geely Group, who were huge. Anything to do with two wheels in China, it's all about the Geely Group. And they've owned Ducati since 2015. And again, they've kept the design headquarters in Pesaro. So that bike, as an example, you were thinking about buying Liza. The, uh, what was it? Oh, Not I, the TN, the, uh, I did buy. Oh, you mean the TRK 502? The TRK 502. That bike was actually designed in Italy. And the engineering for it was oh. carried out in Italy. It's just the production is made in China. Oh. And so that brings us around to modern day. So if you kind of dismiss, oh, yeah, it's just another Chinese bike, you know, cashing in on an uh, Italian name. It's not entirely true. <clears throat> there is actually a lot more clout behind it. It's worth noting, though, the Benelli family themselves have not had any interest in the company since 1970. So there you have it. Very brief history of Benelli. Um, um, I I like him. I, I'm Emma. I would like to add something to this, if I may, because hey, I think there's a segment that you neglected to mention, which is the Benelli scooters. In fact, well, I, hold I, on, hold on, hold on. I, I encourage everyone right now to Google, and trust me, trust me, you'll be okay. Type in Benelli Dong. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, you're safe. <clears throat> Benelli Dong. I'm going to safe search on just in case. <laughs> is a thing. It's made completely out of silicone. <laughs> it is a thing. I kid you not. It is an electric scooter that is very interesting uh, design, I'll say. Particularly when the ladies are yeah. starting. <clears throat> it's well, no, I'm design. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I am going to look up this right now. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird. <clears throat> it's different. Um, it, 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 it looks like looks it's trying like to it's look trying over to be hedge. one of those little go peds or something. We also have to wonder, even though they may not have created it for the Western market, somebody had to have been, brought that up at a meeting. Say, I don't think we can use that name. I mean, they've got the tricolore <laughs> flag on the back of it. <laughs> Dear God, <laughs> <laughs> Benelli, Benelli. I mean, they make shotguns and motorcycles and, and dongs. dongs. <laughs> they probably make the best dongs yeah, in the world. Right. Dong. There's, there's a very famous story, and there is a very famous story, and I checked to see if it was true because it was so outrageous. That has anyone here have heard the uh, Japanese car company called Daihatsu? Yes. 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 Well, Daihatsu, their first car that they wanted to import into America until somebody said, oh, no, you can't use that name, was the Daihatsu D-Bag. <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm just going to say, John, I'm, I'm going to show you a picture mm -hmm. of a dong scooter. And I'm just going to ask you, <coughs> that 
design, that seat, what does that resemble to you? It looks like a German helmet to me. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It looks like a circumcised it's a sh- it looks motorcycle. Like a circ- yeah, no, it's, There's <laughs> no way. It looks like a cock on a giant bulldog. So it, it, <laughs> It's laying on its it, back. I'm, I'm 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 not being like crude. It's yeah. it looks like yep. a, no, dong it's a dong on wheels. It's a dong on it's wheels. It's a dong on lives, wheels. It lives up to its name. I gotta have one of those. <laughs> I'll bet I'll bet you do. My junior Everybody high man. wants to ride one of those. <laughs> the crazy thing is this this happens year after year, decade after decade. Companies out outside of one culture not knowing what the names mean. And you'll be Absolutely shocked at how rarely the oh. marketing department is checked with. Well, remember when uh, remember Chevy called the Nova and tried to import yeah, it into South. Yes. So the good news is it comes in multiple colors. The black one looks a little bit bigger. Am mm. I right? <laughs> <laughs> the yellow one's really small. Oh, send your uh, send your complaints send your to complaints. Phil at ClevelandMoto.com. Oh my word! Oh my word! Okay, oh. Emma. Th- <laughs> Thank you for that. that. I mean, ending it has started. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's there's no way around that. I mean, no, it just it's, it's oh, right it's, out there. Uh, I'm gonna make it the image for. for it kudos to them for kind of leaning into the design. Yeah. <laughs> Is because, that the electric one? No. Yeah. Right. There, there's the, the special. There's the special accessory, the uncut model. <laughs> of course, the dong is electric, and so, uh, it has a strap on the back. I'm not sure what that's for. Um, so it's a good plug-in, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Oh my oh. word! Oh my word! Well, staying with our theme because Cat is here. Uh-oh. We were talking about Italian stuff, and, and beyond Italian, there's another thing that you really love, and and. You incorporate it into your your regular trips. Oh, oh yes. Is a trip to a, a MotoGP track. Yes. Well, I haven't been following MotoGP this season, but John has here, and yeah. it, it just ended, right? It just did today. Yeah. So, um, I know that you and Kat were saying, "Oh, yeah. it's been a great year, great season." It's been a great I, past five years, really. It's yeah. just been amazing. I wanted to for people who don't follow i wanted to give you guys a, an opportunity to kind of pitch why people should follow MotoGP and tell us some of the highlights this season well it's there okay. may be some spoilers i'm just going to say that right now so yeah i mean i don't want to ruin de- the last race or anything that's all right um well first up this is MotoGP is the best of the best it's the best riders it's the best engineers the, you know this is the cutting edge of motorcycle technology and also riding technique. We've watched riding techniques change. You know, literally riders have changed how other riders ride and moving things forward. You know those silly little wings you see on motorcycles now? That started in MotoGP and you know what? It actually works. It really does work. It actually pushes your, your front end and actually makes it feel like you're trail breaking all the time. So it's driving the industry <clears throat> forward. You know, it's, as they say, the crucible of motorsport pushes technology forward. So it's not just a matter of great racing, which, oh, wow, it's just been amazing the past five years. Yeah. Incredible. There is no longer any one dominant uh, racer who's just, you know, taking off and winning everything and having it be a boring race. It's some solid competition uh, in most of the races. All the way through, and not just you know one manufacturer winning everything. It's it's a mix of bikes, and the you know, the travesties uh, this year is that Suzuki is leaving. Can't believe it. They they, they won the championship. They won today. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. 
So, I, you know, if you don't know what MotoGP is, just for a little background, because there might be some folks who don't know, it's it's motorcycle road racing. It's the top of the top. Each each region will likely, like there's Moto America in the U.S., and it's a feeder. It's supposed to be a feeder up into uh, Europe, although it's not there anymore. I'll get I'll get back to that because I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. But um, but it's uh, there's three classes at the top league. There's you know, Moto, there's MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3. And a lot of racers will sort of step up through the three of those. There's also mm-hmm. World Superbike, which is a whole other thing. Uh, but the MotoGP <clears throat> bikes tend to be uh, racers are, are the top of the top. That's the top, yeah. So um, a couple of things that sort of I, I just wanted to mention again. So incredible race. This uh, Actually, the last race was the Malaysian was a great race. Yeah. Uh, today's race was a little bit like a settling out thing. You know, a lot of the guys crashed and stuff. But hey, uh, cheers to Peko Bagnaya. For taking the race, he brought Ducati back to the to the to the winning. Um, Ducati hasn't won since Casey Stoner back in 07. Right. Oh seven. So Ducati's back. We're talking about Ducatis today, and that's 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 incredible. And uh, that fight with Fe- uh, Fabio Quattararo this year oh, was, was great. Incredible. And Pecco, you know, he had that beginning great start, crappy middle, and came on in the end. And I'm just so I'm thrilled for him. I really like him. Yeah. No. Well, he's one of Rossi's boys. Yeah. Yeah, so it was great to see them. And Ducati won the, the, the Constructors' Championship, too. Well, and this is the thing that's been happening in the past the past couple of years. Particularly this year, it's been very evident that Ducati has the yes. dominant platform yes. in the paddock. Yep. Nobody can touch them in terms of engine power, but also in terms of technology. Uh, the ride, So many new things have been developed. You know, the ride height device, <clears throat> that wasn't around like no. three or four years ago. No. You know, so this happens when uh, yeah. the guy's exiting the turn, literally the bike drops down and sort of squats down and makes it easier for the bike to accelerate. Now, aren't they out on that next year? There's something, I think on the, they can't do on the fly adjustments next year. I believe, I think Mm. they finally outlawed that because it was unfair for stuff. But you know, the other thing that excited me this year was um, Aprilia. Yeah. Aprilia just coming out of nowhere and doing so well. Yeah. It's it's great to see that. It was exciting to see uh, 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 Alicia Spargo in particular, who's been around for so long, finally really working together (laughs) with Aprilia and having a platform that was winning races. Exactly. Exactly. So it's fun to see. I mean, we're losing Suzuki, which I'm super bummed about, but seeing Aprilia come into its own. I would like to introduce to you guys the, the, how well the satellite teams are doing. I know that. Couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that the sat- the Ducati satellite teams, which raced last year's bike, is competitive with this year's bike. I, I love when I see those guys come up. Yeah. So, question I really wanted, I had really was, I was, I went back and looked again. So, you know, this year we had Cam Bobier, Joe Roberts, and we have Sean Dilly Kelly, all American riders in the lower classes. Um, Cam's done this year. This is yeah. last year. He's coming back. Which I, Cam, I love you. I'm glad He's you're been coming around back. A while. Yeah. yeah. So he did. He did wonderful. Had a rough race this year, but did really well. But I look back, you know, there was a there was a run from from seventy eight to ninety three where U.S. riders we won thirteen out of sixteen races, mm-hmm. and then um, and that was about it. So Nikki Hayden was the last yeah. champion that we had. Right. Why aren't American racers <clears throat> competitive anymore? Uh, death of the middle class in the United States. Oh, oh a, well, there you go. That's a there's really good just, point. There's just not enough families out there who can't afford to yeah, put your three-year-old on a bike and then get in them have a competitive <clears throat> racing environment where there's 20 other kids that they're racing against. You know, and then they move up classes. There's just, there's just not enough people. There's not Is there enough a money. stronger middle class in, in but, Europe? That's oh, driving? yes. Oh, my God, yes. Huh. Interesting. Huh. But there is in motocross and, and, and other, um, mo- you know, motorcycle sports. But I guess to race on the track, it's extremely expensive. Oh, I wouldn't say extremely, but yes, it does Compared, cost a bit yeah. more. You know, it does require money. A lot of money. Yeah. You think, I mean, 
love Wayne Rainey, love Moto America, but oh, yeah. is that is that really going to be the 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 ground for developing new talent from the U.S.? You think? Um, well, I'm seeing some new racers come up through right now, like the the Sportback Track Gear uh, Juniors Cup. Uh, has been pushing out some really good talent, and I'm hoping to see some of those young racers move on to right. Moto3. Uh, particularly, I'm a big fan of uh, Kaylee Yakov. She's right. been kicking ass, and she's also, you know, she's a good personality that's doing everything right. And I really hope to see her move, make the move to uh, Moto3 or maybe the, the Red Bull Wookiees Cup or something. Right. So we can start seeing some American, <clears throat> you know, uh, blood back in the paddock, particularly coming from. Coming from the base level, mm-hmm. I get Cameron Bobia, you know, won the championship, incredible racer, uh, and then moved on to uh, to Moto Two, and boy, it was just like he, he was winning races in the United States, yeah. and then boom, he's in Moto Two, and it's right. just like he got thrown to the sharks. He did really well right. in competing, but boy, you let you know just how much more competitive uh, the European race scene is. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping Joe. Joe's looked really good this year t- yeah. at times, also. So I'm hoping he sticks. Sticks. Yeah, he's it. definitely had some moments this year. So how are you feeling about like I, you know Maverick and and Mark Marquez? I mean, are they past their primes now? You know, I mean, you know, um, Vinales is with Aprilia Vinales, and had a kind yeah. of an okay, but then not. Well, I I think I get more back to the individual personalities of those particular racers, and then you get into my personal opinion about those right. two racers. Uh, there's Tim, no denying Mark is an incredibly talented right. rider, and yeah. he can handle himself when things go squirrely and when that when those tires, uh, yeah. when he's lost his rubber, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, amazing. He came back after that surgery this year. Yes, that's been a very tough battle. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much that we can talk about. I mean, we're not a mo- we're not a, a racing podcast, but right. there's just so much that sort of overlaps. I mean, to Cat's point. Um, the, what they're developing at that level is, is making its way back into our motorcycles. I mean, traction control and, and, you know, oh yeah, and so it's exciting and it's really good for us to continue to watch so we can grow that sport in the U S well, the, and this is really how this tied into my business is people have been watching MotoGP and then, you know, they say, geez, that's an incredible racetrack. And I give people the opportunity to ride yeah. on that racetrack. And once you ride on that particular racetrack, you never watch the race the same way again uh-huh. because you know that turn. You know that the 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 waterfall at Zoxen Ring really is a lot steeper than it <laughs> looks. Um, you know that the the reverse corkscrew at Aragon is right. actually a joke and shouldn't be called a corkscrew compared to Laguna Seca. <laughs> the yeah. southern loop of Phillip Island. Oh, see, I'm yeah. so jealous you guys get to go on these tracks. Yeah. What What do you think your favorite track is out of all these? Phillip Island. Philip Island is. Yeah. Huh. I planted Why? the bug. Yeah. <laughs> How many times you've been there? Uh, I think we've been there three times. Really? Four? Four. Okay. Four so times. Special. What's so special about it? Um, it's... Uh, the track is very grippy. The facilities aren't as nice as, say, something like uh, Mugello or Aragon or, or, or even Bruneau. The facilities you know, need to be refurbished, but the track itself is very grippy mm-hmm. it's right there on the ocean uh, so there's this incredible view you come out of the last turn onto the straightaway and you literally get this great ocean view <laughs> whereupon you have to <laughs> have to remember you have to slow down just a little bit right. not a lot you do have to slow down a little bit for for the turn to the right and then the southern loop is my favorite turn is of it? all tracks in the world <clears throat> um it's a do it's a double apex turn and throttling out of the southern loop is, is just the best feeling what ever. speed is it Oh geez, I never look at my speed. Or gear, yeah. Um, I'll probably be in. I'll probably be in third. Okay, third coming out. So of you're southern cooking through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's we're we're going 80, 80 up to one hundred and twenty. So what? 
what are you most excited about for next year? And what racer are you most excited about? Yeah, for who next should year? somebody be, who be should watching? Watch? Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, for Bastianini. me, I, Bastianini. Bastianini. Yeah, the beast. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, you got it. It's, it's, it's Bastianini. It's yeah. like, and Bastianini and Pecco on the same team. Right. Um, I think, uh, I, I hope to see them duel, dueling against each other, right. as well as, as doing good things for Ducati. I really am hoping to see uh, KTM. Continue right. to move forward and step up. I'm interested to see how well it's surpri- Jack Miller it's surprising does that with KTM. KTM is in and, and Suzuki's out. Right. Because you think, I mean, yeah, KTM makes sport bikes, but Suzuki makes Right, because they're not in World you know? Superbike either, are they? Right. Yeah. So they're just Crazy. in Motor America. Yeah. Are they in British? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't follow British. British British is actually a good feeder for, for MotoGP. They make some good racers out of there. How do you feel about a pro? you think they're going to be a contender? Yes, uh, yeah. I do. Oh. They're they're moving forward. Yeah. yeah, super exciting. So the you know the season ended this today. I, I encourage everyone to go back and you know get a get a subscription to the MotoGP and watch all the old races. They go back multi years in races. You can the see the coverage is excellent. It's incredible. You can see tons of different camera angles. Yep. You can it, see way back decades ago. It gives me anxiety to watch some race in the rain. Oh, I love the rain races because yeah. I'm like how. Do they do that? That's what I know. Jack Miller's going to be doing yeah, well. He's a rain guy. Where's he going to land last next year? You think? Uh, he's he's land he's landed at KTM. Oh, he signed at KTM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for him. No, I think uh, I think Brad. I'm Bender, glad he got a ride. Brad Bender did the most incredible thing this yeah. year with the. It was starting to rain, pouring rain, and we can't. I can't decide whether he missed the turnoff for mm-hmm. the pits. Or just said fuck it and <laughs> decided it to stay out in yeah. the rain and hope and hope for the best. Yeah, on slicks in oh. pouring rain, and he he finished the race in first mm. and brought the win home. Yeah, for that KTM. that gives me great anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> imagine imagine his crew chief, imagine his entire team. They're just chewing their nails down, watching the screen as he's out there trying to keep the bike upright and possibly oh. winning. Wow, well, um, incredible. Thank it's, you for that. No, I, actually, as yeah. someone who's, I'm not going to say hasn't been in the motorcycle industry for a long time, because mm-hmm. when when you marry someone who's in who's in the industry and is passionate and who's grown up with motorcycles, you learn way more than you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But this is something that you know I. I met Valentino Rossi before I even knew who he really oh, was. You got to meet Valley. Oh. I did. I would fanboy out all over. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, well, cool. Thank, thank you guys yeah. for for sharing that. That's I know right. I, I've been watching the the program on Amazon. It's great, which is really really well done. If you're a motorcyclist, you have to remember MotoGP drives motorcycles mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, for yeah. street bikes, it drives technology forward. This well, is where as it all, all racing from. platforms have always done in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is true. And um, that goes that goes back to the beginning of yep. motorcycling. It's exactly what I was saying about Benelli. It's the same for every manufacturer. Racing drives what we ride. If there was no racing, we would be riding very antiquated machines right now. Well, I'm I'm holding out for the for the Vespas. I think with the addition of Vespa, <laughs> that'll really the make it exciting. Is so much fun to watch. It'll it make it really exciting. <laughs> well, I think we should do a Misfits trip to Coda one of these years, the Circuit of the Americas in oh. Austin, and uh, just go as a mm. as a group and watch cheer on the on the guys over there. Absolutely. Yeah, I used to do Laguna Seca when they had it, but it's not quite the same. 
Yeah, that might yep. be. Um, I got time for some emails real quick. All right. We got a few. Emma and Bagel, you got yours on, on tap? Yep. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to start with mine. This one is from Mike, and this is uh, about the right to repair episode. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys heard that, but do you know that that's becoming more of a thing? Right. That, You're not allowed to work on your motorcycle. Yeah, you can't work on Yeah, so Emma can't do some things to Jim's new Jixer. I can't pee in his airbox. Right, there you go. Um, so he says, Hey, misfits last week's discussion on the right to repair was incredibly helpful. One of the things that didn't get mentioned during that conversation was the period of time in which dealers are willing to work on bikes. They sell Mm. often. This window is 10 years and sometimes as short as five. While I understand a dealer not being able to keep parts for a 40-year-old classic, five years seems arbitrarily short. If it is impractical or impossible for home mechanics or independent shops to work on even slightly older machines, motorcycles become essentially disposable commodities. While it may help corporate profits in the near term, this seems like a dangerous, wasteful, and extremely short-sighted trend for the industry. Agreed. That yep. is a very good point. Yep. Yeah. So do you think in 10 years you'll be able to work on his Jixer, Emma? Well, I mean, in in 10 mm. years' time, hopefully the technology that will allow me to work on his bike will have become affordable. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that, that's part of it, too. So it, is, so it is for Triumph. I mean, it's... It's only in the last couple of years that decent software to work on modern triumphs has become available enough that small independents like me can work on it. Um, The same will happen with Suzuki. Um, So, you know, I think if if Jim has still got his bike in a decade and I'm still above ground, I'll be happy to service (laughs) him. (laughs) All right. Bagel, you have one there that ties in with this also. I do. Uh, this is an email from Dave Osterday. <clears throat> hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Oh, I know Dave. Hello. <laughs> and uh, this is regarding the uh, right to repair also. Uh, he says, a great example of the accessory portion of the right to repair conversation is roll-up versus auto windows in cars. Yeah. They don't put in auto windows in all cars because they're cheaper individually. They are cheaper as a scalable item in manufacturing. They create less service parts and variants. This is stuff you all touched on. But what only Bagel started to touch on is that they just amortize the cost to all customers. And it is not a high performance or luxury item. Right. And that was my point is that when, when a manufacturer decides to install a a new technology in their vehicles, even if they paywall it so that only customers who pay can access can access it, that manufacturer has already paid the cost to put that in their vehicles. And and so essentially they're betting on if nobody pays the extra to get this feature, we're still going to be covered because we've we've covered our cost for the sale of the price of the vehicle. And anything they get for prescript from subscriptions, that's that's just gravy. Yeah, good point. And he sent another email. Oh, yes, he did send another one. And uh, that email says, also, go get him, Bagel. Love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dave. (laughs) You rock. Yeah, I hope to ride with Dave again. And uh, Yeah, so do I. And Dave was very, very charming. He sent me a lovely little note 
because I was grumbling a couple of weeks ago because I had nobody to take me to the burlesque show. <laughs> and Dave sent me a lovely little note and said, Emma, if I was in town, I would be happy to take you to the burlesque show. So that is how sweet he is. And I am looking forward to riding with Dave again. Hopefully he can make it in 2023 or 2024, because I truly believe that Kat and myself have really started something very, very special with these trips, and it's going to be an annual occurrence. Oh, I, I, yeah, it'll happen. Hey, Emma, I just realized we can kind of have a win-win situation here. Um, um, you know, our podcast, Ember List, together. I need a warm-up act for a 500th. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll do it again. I'll get my boobs out again. (laughs) Always a good time. (laughs) Yeah, it's never never an appropriate, inappropriate time for Emma to get a boob. Not that I can think of. Maybe in church, but you know. So, Emma, you've got one there to read. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Now, this is quite an interesting point. So, I have this lovely message from Tony. Everyone talks about having to upgrade old 6-volt electrics to 12-volt. Mm. If it's only for more lighting power, why mm. not use a 6-volt LED headlight instead? In most cases, it would be less of a load on the electrical system and much brighter as well. Well, yes, that is all true and very good, Tony, <laughs> but it's not just for the headlamp. Now, on the older 6-volt bikes, generally what we found the headlight is powered by the generator and the generator direct and the turn signals, brake light and horn are powered by the battery, which is in turn charged by the generator. And those are the things that are extremely feeble. If you've ever ridden a bike with six volt turn signals, you would know what a wretched piece of device. Yes, Bagel, aren't they terrible? <laughs> well, yes, they are. But... The argument could be made that you could replace those turn signals with with LED turn signals as well, and then they would be nice and bright. But I would say the 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 pitfall of six volt bikes is trying to find six volt parts um, when your battery exactly. dies. Trying to find a six volt battery is becoming harder and harder these days. Trying to find voltage regulators is going to be harder right. and harder. You know, all of the other things are become, becoming harder and harder, and that's why I'm looking at converting the the ct70s that i've got to 12 volt Mm. it's it's a simple case of supply and demand um leds are great led actually stands for a light emitting diode which of course Mm. it is it's a diode and you put electricity into it and it emits light hence led the wonderful things yes sorry back and also another point about the LEDs is that they are great if they have enough voltage. Mm. Uh, another problem with vintage six-volt electrical systems is they often they do not put out enough voltage yeah. right. by themselves, especially if the flag, flywheel gets demagnetized. So even if you, you put on these, these new fancy LED bulbs, if your stator is not putting out the voltage that they need, they're not going to do anything for you. Exactly, because until it builds up that threshold, it won't even come on. The incandescent bulbs will come on, and yes. you'll get the infamous headlight beam that actually turns through 90 degrees and illuminates your front mudguard. It, it gives you a romantic glow. <laughs> exactly, whereas the LEDs won't even do that. The advantage with LEDs is they tend to withstand 
overcharging a little bit more. So if you have an incandescent bulb and you're lucky enough that your generator puts out way more than six volts and you have history of blowing incandescent bulbs, change mm-hmm. to LEDs can cure that. But really, when we go back to chemistry and the old, you know, volts, resistance, current, we realize six volt systems are very, very antiquated. Yeah. 12 volt is the way to go for a number of reasons, not just brightness. It's a far more efficient system. With modern batteries, with modern bulbs, it's it's super compact. You know, 6 volt stuff's going away of the dodo now. Yeah, and and if you're blowing 6 volt bulbs, again, back to good luck finding a a voltage regulator for it. Right. Right. Um, We got time for two more. Uh, John, you have one there. I believe that... um We've been getting some email for our friends at Cleveland Moto. So this is for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we love you guys. This is a complaint that came in. I hate to say this. I feel really bad. I think, uh, yeah, I think our complaints are going to them and their complaints are so coming to us. I, I, this is just, again, guys, this isn't from us. This is from a, a listener. So, uh, Unky Phil. Just give it a rest with the top 10 list. That's the Misfits Jam. And if they want it, they can keep it. You can't fool us. If you got six guys picking 12 bikes each and you've got a 12, uh, top 12 list whether you want it or not we go to the misfits to hear interviews emma's amazing hole it is amazing <laughs> and liza's dumb games they are dumb uh, <laughs> we go to cleveland moto for tech tips strong opinions on liquor and guns and fat white man going off the rails <laughs> <laughs> stick in your lane Stick in your lane, and as usual, I'm directing all my comments to motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. By the way, fuck the Honda. Whisperer points are the goddamn devil. From Max T from Vancouver, British Columbia. Again, not from us, Uncle Phil, and guys, this is from Max. This this could be an international incident. Uh, And I have one more. This one uh, is from Phil, not the Phil, another Phil. Uh, but another, this, uh, another this, Philippe, darling. Another, but this is <laughs> so. Just do whatever it takes to sell that damn Bieber Bieber Vespa. How many podcasts do we have to suffer <laughs> hearing about it? Just raffle it away. Just listen to the last one, you guys. Maybe running low on booze. I guess I should send something. Didn't seem too far out, and the heck with Manscape. I don't know. Speaking of winter bike prep, maybe a top ten list for winter storage. Liza can even make one. Hers would beat yours anyway, Johnny Mac. Do you still have the snow machine? And I'm glad you may made it back. Steve Hoffert was starting to worry. Thought you followed Cam to Corvette land or wandered south with Nick DeVito. Anyway, keep the good podcast coming and more Chris Smith jokes, please. <laughs> All right. If you, if you don't listen to Cleveland Moto, you, you should. Because then you'll understand you the, both of those emails. So just remember, you can send uh, your complaints to phil uh, at clevelandmoto.com. Kat, <laughs> thank you so much for coming down. And Mouse, oh, sure. I'm glad you got to come too. That was nice to meet I know you, you came down to meet Emma. She wasn't here. Yeah, Mouse, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm crushed. Virtual but hug, it, lady. Yes, virtual hug for you, lady. And um, I'll come up your neck of the woods next time, perhaps. You might have to eat Thai food or barbecue. Oh, I can do that. All right. Suffer through it. <laughs> A bit of scotch. Yeah, I'll su- oh, I'll suffer through it. Boo-hoo. So <laughs> I will post in the show notes a link to the survey. Survey also on on our social media, and Emma, will you send it out? I, I know you've been saving all the emails, so you should have a list of everyone who had responded. 
Yeah. So oh yeah. No, I'll, I'm I'm going to send everything out. And I encourage you, whether you have sent me an email, whether you have sent Cat an email, keep plugging away at it. This trip is going to happen, and you are going to join us. Um, it's just we need to fix in those dates. You know, I mean, it's middle of winter here. It's very hard to think about how this thing's going to pan out in the summertime. But the trip's going to happen once, maybe twice. Yeah, what I'm waiting so, on is my track dates. Once I get the track I, dates, I get to design my track and tour, and then I know where I can stick a motorcycles and misfits training tour in between them. Uh, and it's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, well, the Dolomites training tour is definitely happening. Yes. What we want to hear from from people is where's the other tour going to happen? Where's the other training tour going to happen? Roma. And Kat, can you tell everyone again where they can go to find out about this tour and your other tours? Oh, uh, yeah, that's all. They're all now at uh, layoutescapes.com. I, I literally have now made the Motorcycles and Misfits uh, tour uh, publicly <clears throat> available. L E O D escapes.com. That's right. Yeah. Have you considered um, doing a tour of Italy on Benelli Dongs? <laughs> are, are we going out on that joke? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, you just. I wonder. I wonder if there's a water pipe manufacturer called Donelli who make a bong. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's wrap this up. Um, don't forget, come to our 500th episode. We want you there. It's more than half uh, all the seats are reserved. I'm not going to say sold out. It's free. It's a party. Come on down. We're going to have a weekend of events, but we want you to come join us. And Liza has a gallon of tequila. There's a gallon of tequila. <laughs> Good chance you might see Emma's tits. Just saying. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> big thanks again to everyone all of our listeners especially our patreon uh subscribers they're the best who are that's where the i'm best getting of the, the best that's where i'm getting the money to pay for all of these things for the theater and everything uh and though i will say i did get a little help from loud tigers so thank you loud tigers they're great oh. yeah they did, they, they did help us pay for the theater so i really appreciate that um and thank you to everyone who's emailing us keep them coming you can send an email to motorcycles and misfits at gmail.com or you can go to our website motorcycles and misfits.com that's also where you go to click the link to reserve your tickets and or uh, uncle phil at cleveland moto yes and send your complaints to phil at clevelandmoto.com <laughs> <laughs> oh my word all right emma thank you for calling in i know you weren't feeling oh, no, well you're so i'm glad you made it yeah. yeah well you know there's no point in trying to infect you lot with my lurgy right. so i'll be back next week just put some chain lube in your tea <laughs> yes i know it's yes it'll be all right i'll have some nice crumbly cake and a cup of tea and i'll be well oh i wanted to show you something cat before what? you go look into your camera darling Look. Yeah. Mm. Timmel's York. Timmel's York. Timmel's York. I've, in fact, I've still even got the ticket to entry. Yeah, we, that was mm. specially planned. We had lunch there just for you because I knew you'd oh, love it. Oh, that was, yeah, that was just great. Oh, and it, thanks for it, all the reminiscing. It, yeah, well, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up and then you can reminisce some more. 
Thank you, everyone. Time to get out of here. This is Eliza. Don't be John. Cat. Ralphs. Bagel. And we are Emma out of here. Oh. We forgot about her. <laughs> 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 All right. We're out of here. Coco. Coco.